This episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Uh, say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. So that is actually a little bit exciting that we're hearing from Laura because obviously we have been away from the recording studio for a little bit now. And the reason is, of course, that um, my friend and yours, Laura Zatz, has had a run in with COVID 19, the novel. Coronavirus for folks. an entire month for, for the entire <laughs> month of September, I was ill. <laughs> oh God, um, what a time to be doing anything at all, really, but especially things that involve being in person and talking. Um, and <laughs> why don't you tell? How was your month, Laura? How about before we get into what I think should be a pretty fun show today? You just give us a little update. Um, you're well. I, You're on I am. more negative tests than we can shake a stick at, yes. I hope. Yes, I still <laughs> can't. That would be a great mid-episode reveal, by the way. <laughs> this you is just, my like, favorite have... brand of test. <laughs> you have one. <laughs> you have a test like cooking over here on the counter near us, and then you like mid-episode, you go over there, mm-hmm, positive. <laughs> that would be great content. That would be the meanest thing. Yeah, I would, that... that would suck. But that's not what's going to happen. Um and instead, you're going to tell us about your month. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So I was quarantining in my basement, yeah. which coincidentally is yeah. where we are recording right now. Would you be surprised to know that since I came out of isolation, I have not been back down here? You know what it's like? <laughs> I've been like... leaving things at the top of the stairs for my spouse to bring down. <laughs> See, this is the secret. This is the actual secret meaning of the allegory of the cave. Yeah. Which is that the cave is nice. We all want to climb back down into the cave. Into the cave. You know, you, maybe there's like, you know, reality or whatever that's up there and we're only looking at shadows down here. But you know what? It's nice down here. The lighting is nice. It's pleasant. We Why would we want to sound? be out there? There are like beasts and animals out there. Yeah. It's I mean, much nicer to be down here in the warm in cave. In terms of places to isolate two separate times because you had a rebound COVID infection. Um, in terms of that, like where I isolated is pretty okay like Mm -hmm. we so we've got this like room in the basement um that's got a very large television and Mm -hmm. a 12 foot long couch Uh it's to fit the room it's modular it won't always be 12 feet don't judge me um someday we're gonna get a whole mini episode out of your couch sagas you know uh (laughs) nick and i can lay down like Uh flat on it and like oh and like not touch each other yeah. Just like from end to end. Uh, it's really good to host an all day long extended Lord of the Rings watch party mm-hmm. with meals at all of the Hobbit mealtimes. Um, <laughs> it fits. It fits. Hold m- <laughs> now, hold on just a damn minute. <laughs> a what? Hold on. And this is probably I don't want to derail this, but you're telling me that is this like a common thing or is this the thing you do? I'm not a Lord of the it's, Rings head. Oh. I've never read the books or seen the movies. I'm sorry, my brain just like shorted out for a second. But anyway, one thing, the one thing what? I know, no, 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 we're talking about your problems, not mine. The one thing I understand I just about, want to bully you so hard right now. The one thing 
I'd be the only person on earth to be bullied for not watching Lord of the Rings. Um, the one thing I understand about hobbits is that don't they eat a lot? Like it's they like a bunch many, of different meals. They right? have so many you're just down meals there, a day. Like having whatever little foods. Famously, they've got first breakfast, second breakfast, <laughs> and then they have elevensies, and then they've got like they luncheon and tea time. Yes, and then like luncheon and tea time and dinner and supper. Um, and so when I have hosted this for my tabletop RPG friend uh-huh. group, which, uh-huh. and I am planning on doing this again in January. It's been, I think, five years since I've done it. So we start very early in the morning, and because my friends are absolute nerds, we start with the 1970s animated The Hobbit. Um, and I just then, want, just so we can update the spreadsheet, which of us it needs to be bullied right now? <laughs> I just want to make sure I understand. And then we go into the extended editions of all three of the yeah. Lord of the Rings. And people come and go as they as needed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you fall asleep on the 12-foot long couch, NBD. Yeah. I made an entire turkey. I made two different types of, like, elven bread, according to two different elven cakes. Elven bread? Yes. Um, it's, so this, it's this been a whole thing. Obviously, there has to be a Lord of the Rings cookbook somewhere, right? Uh, I'm sure they're actually, you know, like, okay, so after. How, who hasn't, surely that IP has been exploited in that Oh, yeah. Manner. After yeah. this episode, yeah. um, Eric and I are going to our local gaming store, and I'm, in fact, buying a Dungeons & Dragons cookbook there. Oh. Um, That'll be good. Yeah. So, love. There's also a Redwall cookbook, which I that high, nice. highly yeah. recommend. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other like RPG ones that we've done. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's a it's a fairly good place to isolate. Yeah. Right. Um, I watched multiple seasons of Murder She Wrote. I started watching all of the um, 1980s Marple miniseries again. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It wasn't great. I wouldn't recommend it. Please yeah. get your booster as soon as you are able. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool that we're like, what, <laughs> three years in now to this and talking like that. That feels really good. Yeah. It's good on my brain. Yeah. And it's good on your brain. And it's good on everyone else's I, brain. I still can't like walk fast, if I'm being completely honest. Jesus. Like, we were going to record last week, and yeah. I couldn't because I couldn't talk for like I couldn't catch my breath enough for like an entire hour of yeah. chit chat. This stuff is no joke, man. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry you had it. Like I mean to get serious for a second. It's obviously you hate to hear when friends or people you know of any kind get you know this particular disease or anything like that. I'm also just... a huge whiny baby <laughs> when I'm ill. So. You know what though? You had a pass on this. <laughs> It was it was fine. Um, I had to spend my birthday in isolation, that sucks. like by it myself. Sucks. Yeah, it, it sucks. wasn't great. Hate that. It wasn't great, but we're out. We're in a better and different part of the basement. No, no, no. We're not out. We're here by choice. That's the difference. <laughs> Is we we're in the same we're doing the same stuff that we were, that you were doing in isolation for some reason. Yeah. But now we are here on our own volition. Um, so that's great. And one of these days I'm going to lock you in that room and you're going to have to watch all the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Well, I guess on the one hand, that is a content idea so we can put it in the spreadsheet. (laughs) Um, But Laura. Yes. There was something you wanted to talk about today and it was very, and I want you to break it down for me, re-engage me in the subject matter. Because if I remember correctly, it was very, what is a book anyway? Mm -hmm. Sort of philosophical musings um, that got you thinking. So 
tell me about what it is you're hot on right now. But apart from that, tell me what made it occur to you. Like what you know, what's going yeah. on right now that made you think, okay, we got to talk about like the book as a physical object. Well, okay, so I have. It is actually related to my illness a little bit because hmm. I was convinced, like, I was too sick to work, but, like, I still felt, I mean, I felt like garbage warmed over, but, like, you know, I wasn't, like, I wasn't feverish or anything. So I felt like I could read for fun when I was ill. Uh, that was not true, but what I ended up doing is for three weeks, I ended up, like, carrying around a book that I've been, like, meaning to read. It would, like a like a like it's a blankie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've been like carrying this book around. Um and in addition to that, I've also started to receive some of the things that I ordered while I was ill that I don't remember. <laughs> so um some of them are useful, some of them are strange. Uh-huh. Uh but I've but I also received um a few books that like I literally never heard of before in my life and for some reason you just ordered them i just ordered the hell out of them good for you um and all of that was happening and me kind of like treating this unread book like a binky for like two weeks straight Mm -hmm. um all of this was happening when like there was a kerfuffle on the internet Mm -hmm. as there often is really um (laughs) do people do people argue on the internet, Thor? From time to time, Eric. Okay, okay, yeah. We'll, get, we'll come back to that, yeah. Um, there was this kerfuffle on the internet where this author, and we don't need to get into the specifics, but basically there were um, people that had subscribed to a book box service. If you're not familiar, like a book box, it's like a monthly subscription where like every month you get a box with like a bunch of themed stuff. So yeah. if you are a OG listener of Print Run, you probably would have heard about the Dick Soap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where like somebody sent like penis shaped soap in one of these like romance book boxes and it was like too like not safe for work for and it was this whole mm-hmm. thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, there are more and more like themed book boxes out there. And a lot of the time you get like themed things and like extra stuff from the author and the books are signed and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, this author was disabled and had to sign her books with a stamp and a bunch of people just like realized or discovered that it was a stamp and got really mad at it about Mm it um and so what we're not going to talk about today is um the the thing that i very firmly believe and eric also very firmly believes which Mm -hmm. is like um like authors don't owe you like Injury and exacerbation of their own disability and like absolutely yeah anyway absolutely we're not talking about like the ableism present in this but sure. what it made me think about is what is it about the stamp which the author like it was their real signature uh-huh. had it printed signed it by hand like they stamped it themselves like sitting in front of their TV or whatever like what is it about that that is inherently less valuable to some readers. And I was thinking about, like, would I, as a reader, subscribe in a book box myself? And I've started just thinking about, like, the book as art object, but more importantly, the relationship of the author and their interaction with the physical copy 
which then influences like the perceived value of the book itself. See, I love <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, and I we should reiterate like the story you're describing, one in which, you know, an author has been asked to sign thousands and thousands of copies of a book or whatever it is, like and you know, they find a shortcut it's a good that. way to get and carpal tunnel, even exa- if you're like, not disabled. Yeah. But like, it's such an absurd situation, and it's su- and it's one that feels so simple to start. But then you get into like the metaphysics of it, and <laughs> which is exactly what you've sort of picked up on. Like, what is it about a signature in a book, mm-hmm. and by extension, any other physical aspect of a book that we value so much more than? that same content in another form or a variant of that content or anything like that. And it's, it got me thinking, you know, I think you interact with books in a very different way. Well, this than is I what do. I was going to say is that that's the sort of thing that feels like more my type of realm than yeah. you, because I am someone who likes, like I like buying the hardcover. Mm-hmm. You know, not only that, you get first I editions like buying, for Christmas. I like to go get the. I mean, it's as It's just you know, I guess forever. It's just always been something. You know, I'm gonna spend a little bit more on books because one, it like, it feels vaguely correct to me in my field to go buy the thing that I know so many people put so much work into, including like, you know, the design decisions, the printing decisions, mm-hmm. like all this stuff that I really. That I really love. I mean, production elements, design elements, things like that that manifest in like the physical first edition, you know, the first impression of the book, the way everyone who thought who worked on this wanted people to experience it first, you know, like that matters to me quite a bit. And so I am someone willing to kind of do this stuff. And additionally, it's more related to what you're um, what you're describing. Like, I, I love signed copies of books. I absolutely want them. And if you ask me to explain why, I have no idea because <laughs> it doesn't – like you asked me the other day when we were talking about this, um, would you would I want the – would I want a copy that has – with a signature in it that hasn't been personalized, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the other element of signatures is sometimes like, you know, if you're at a reading or something, you know, you can get your copy of the book and they'll maybe scrawl. A message or your name or like your name or like something like that in it to really kind of drive home the fact that um, you and that writer had a moment, right, of like Mm -hmm. it's the remembrance of a meeting, of having, you know, gone out of your way and to do something. It's like sort of a stamp of a memory, right? And I don't care about that, strangely. You don't. Um, No, I almost like don't want the personalization. I think I actually would prefer just like the signed copy you sometimes find in a store when an author has come in to like sign a few, you know? And I mean, (laughs) we could get into the various reasons why that is or what that is. I mean, so to be clear, like if, if I were like a fan of the writer we're discussing where like, you know, they were asked to sign so many, like the stamp would be totally fine for me. You know what I mean? Because I think what's valuable to me about, and it should be, and to be clear, it should be fine for everyone because that's just, don't be ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, if you, the sign, I don't know, like, the idea, as you're saying, this expectation that a writer should have to do more than that to, you know, or you complain is is very silly. But, like, um, no, I mean, I think what I find valuable in, like, a signature on the physical book is just, like, knowing that not only do I have this book by this writer, 
but that at one point this physical object was like in the hands of the person who wrote it you know what i mean like mm. it's like a proof that there was like a brief moment of interaction and between the physical object and the between writer between the physical object and the and the writer and like that's that feels sort of rare to me because in an age when like I mean, it feels almost like an antidote to so much else in mm. terms of just products broadly, right? Where it's like everything is mass produced. Everything is like it's it makes what you have slightly less overproduced. You know what I mean? Like you have something that not like lots of people have. Them. I mean, they sign, but like it's they're not particularly rare or even monetarily valuable. That's not the point. Like it's so then why why don't you value you in that equation so you value the the interaction between the writer and the art object why don't you prefer for you to be in that equation as well because i'm in the equation already i'm the one Mm. reading it like i'm happy to just be the reader and i think like in terms of like experiencing and this stretches to um i I mean (sighs) This stretches beyond probably just books, but, like, as the reader or, like, the player of a game or, like, the listener to an album or whatever means you're, like, consuming something or, like, Mm. engaging with a piece of art or whatever, like, my usual opinion is, like, this is dispositionally in terms of my Mm -hmm. own preference, like, like, I the reader, I the player, whatever, I don't matter, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm someone you should not be catering to whatsoever, you know, make your thing, artist person, like, do the thing, like... Don't even look at me while you're doing it. I'll just be the onlooker whenever it's fine for me to do so. I don't need to have my hand held throughout this experience. I would rather you do it in the manner of your choosing, and I'll find a way to look at it in a way that doesn't intrude on anybody else. If And, like, that isn't totally coherent, I know, because all act, all writing is written with a reader in mind. Like, I understand all that, but, like... I just, like, it just feels kitschy. I mean, I think on the baseline, it's, like, just feels kitschy to, like, have my name in it. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. It's, like... Interesting. They don't mean it. Like, it's not like they're really... Well, so, actually, there is an exception. And that's for, like, a book I've worked on. Sure. Right? One that I actually maybe do have a real connection to. Like, for instance, like, writers, you know, that I represent, when their book publishes... I love having copies of them that they've jotted something in specifically mm-hmm. to me because that that matters and I was a small part of that equation, you know what I mean? Like it feels it's a different thing when it's but it's just like I don't know. Like it depends on what it is, but most of the time I don't want things personalized to me. That just feels So, okay. Like I'm taking up too much space in an equation, you know what I mean? Like follow-ups. Yeah. Do you place value in like a first edition? Yes, I do. Why? Because it evokes a time and a place and a, like a moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things where you, you and get I... get the typo. So you... <laughs> no, it, truly though. No, but that's... You, you say it glibly, but absolutely. Yeah. Like you and I are in... We work on books. At any given moment, we've got a book that's like getting ready for publication or about to publish or whatever. And like... There's so much energy and anxiety and excitement and all this stuff. And, like, you know, if it's a book you really care about, maybe you've read reviews coming out. Maybe you've read, you know, whatever, you know, in anticipation that the day that it publishes for the first time, the day that book is finally available, 
it feels very exciting to me. Mm. Like it feels like that's a moment. That's like a cultural moment in itself worth capturing. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's something I, I don't know. Like I like those associations. I like knowing that, you know, this book was purchased, you know, or made even in the moment when no one had read it yet. You know what I mean? Like, and mm. these are abstract personal associations, you know. Like, but they're I'm not, interesting to talk about because I'm not like saying this is what makes a book valuable <laughs> or not as an object, but I am saying, like, just for me, like, I love thinking about, like, because editions track progression, right? Like, a later edition of a book is going to have the award sticker on it, mm. it's going to have new blurbs or reviews on it. A paperback edition definitely is going to have. Basically, whatever happened to that first edition in terms of coverage, in terms of reception, whatever, that's going to get reflected Mm -hmm. in the later editions. But that first one is a blank slate. You know what it is? There's no awards yet. There's no anything. Like if you imagine like owning a book that does go on to win those things. And and, you got their first. It's not even about getting their first, but it's holding the version of it. Where no one involved knew that it happened yet, you know what I mean? Like, and you can only you can not only see like you know <clears throat> as much mm-hmm. as I know that a jacket and a design elements they're all they're all a series of tactical decisions as well, right? Like it's we want these blurbs from these people because we're trying to hit this readership, or we think that you know the this stuff should go on the cover, this should go on the back flap, what you know all those little decisions, right? Mm-hmm. You get one first crack at that mm-hmm. that represents. Here was the publisher's best guess at how to move this unit. And that is fascinating to me. And I love looking at that. And I think that, like, oh, you know, they thought that a blurb from... And it's all blurbs. Oftentimes it's, like, um, I guess, like, it's not published reviews of this specific book. You know what I mean? Like, it's really cool to me when you get the version that doesn't have any of that yet because nothing's happened. It's just, like, this immaculate object, you know, that hasn't gone through the publishing media ringer yet Mm. and and by that same token i love picking up you know if if i miss something early which we all do because there's way too many books um i love turning around and getting the really nice paperback edition a year and a half later Mm -hmm. or whenever it is that that does have all of the stickers and reviews and things like because of the same thing it's capturing the instance when this appeared, the thinking of the moment of the edition, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, and I love that. And, like, it's... Now that I'm thinking about it, I will pick a book before it gets the, like, Oprah's Book Club sticker. Yeah, you Before, know? because, well, it's more of the thing where it's, like, I don't want anybody's back matter to, like, influence my experience of the book itself. Yeah. Like, I don't want any, like, stupid book club questions in the back. <laughs> yeah. So, like, does this... Well, yeah, so I mean, actually, that's even its own set of questions, yeah. too. It's like, which, you know, and you, you brought this up, and my first thought on it was, like, how does this stuff relate to formats more broadly, which is something that we, you know, if you guys come to our, if you're on our Patreon at all, which, please join. We love, I don't think we did a rundown this morning, because we're, because we're out of practice but like <laughs> one thing we did recently on patreon is we've been doing office hours and we and we also did a mini-sode on format that stemmed from a question i got during office hours about why do publishers do different things with different formats you know how does any of this relate to each other all this sort of stuff and like it does make me think like it's sort of the question of like what is the book mm. like is the book 
Because it changes forms, right? Like, is the book the book when it's just the manuscript? Is the book the book when it's been... Does it have to be typeset? Is it page proofs? Is it... Does it have to have been printed? Does the... Is... I, I, I guess, like, all of this is a way of saying, like, as an object, books are fascinating because they do come in different formats, and we don't really know. And, like, so, like, little mini controversies, like the one you're describing, it starts to rip at those seams a little bit, yeah. you know, because, like, people can't, people don't know. They, and they have weird associations with different stuff about, and, like, you see this across any number of other, um, artistic, you know, media, right? Like, I mean, there are people who are, have completely wild opinions on which, you know, albums they want. You know, I have friends, and this is, I know this is very common, it's not crazy, but it's crazy to me how many people, like, listen to things on vinyl still, you know what I mean? it sounds very good, Eric. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) this is, we're just getting to the, this is the same conversation in a different format, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's for, like, I don't know, it's like, there, and there's a version of that in every, like, ownable form, you know, like, what is the, and I don't know, what about you? I mean, what, with regard to... I, I approach it very differently. Sure. So, I think, like, okay, so, I think it's worth mentioning, before I, like, get into my nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, how I engage with books as a publishing professional is so deep and far and away from how I engage with books as like a personal reader. So like I've joked on here before that I always like I keep my like TBR list and what I'm reading and what I've read like secret like a little gremlin. Yeah. Um, yeah, cuz you don't want people influencing Like I I hoard it like yeah. a little dragon yeah. and yeah. like I and I think it like a lot of that stems from like I am very wary of being influenced or pushed in a certain direction. Like I like to take the text as it is and like sit with it. And there's something that and I'm just okay. So we're sitting in my basement mm-hmm. right next to my like bookshelf that is filled with the books that mean the most to me. Yeah. Like we're sitting next to the bookshelf and so I'm like literally looking at it. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that I am for like a, a personal reader, when I organize books, I organize them by like the easy way to describe it is like vibe, right? But the more complex truth of it is that I organize my books in the way that I categorize and choose to read books in my head and how I pick which books I want to buy and which ones I like, which physical objects I value. It's based on the text's interaction with me and like what part of my life that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, like I found it really interesting that you value a signed book by itself Uh and, or like a first edition or whatever. And I would say like kind of on its surface, I don't. Sure. Um, I think like I value a signed book when it is a kind of like bow on the top of a reading experience. So like if I've read a book and loved it and then I meet the writer, like I remember as a kid, like reading the Redwall books and then Brian Jakes was coming to the Red Balloon 
And I remember like I'd never been to a book reading before and I like put all of my little Redwall books in because I didn't know how yeah. many I could get signed yeah. and I didn't yeah. know how this worked and my parents didn't know how it worked. Yeah. I like put them in my little thing and I went and I talked to him and I couldn't understand a word he said. <laughs> um, he had a very thick accent. Yeah. Um, but like it was one of those things where it was like I had already established the meaning and then this was like a little gift I was giving to myself. Yeah, right. Um, sure, okay, and, that makes sense. And like the, in terms of like being in a bookstore and finding a book that is signed, could not sure. care less. Like, and the books, you know, and we argue about format all the time, I prefer a paperback um, from just like a, a, you know, reading quality sort of thing. Um, but like my most valuable books are like children's trade paperbacks well, and let mass me tell market you, books. No, you, you're lying to the people and I'll tell you why. Why? Because you're a certain sort of sicko yeah. that I'm about to expose you as <laughs> on air for the first time. Because I'm looking at the same shelf you are. I'm looking at Laura's most treasured books well, right here. The first two. Hear it, folks? She's trying to walk it back. The top she knows of the shelf to and then a couple of those down there. Uh-huh. Because the rest of this shelf yeah. is galleys. Yeah, I this love. Whole I love shelf, a galley. There are not that many. I would say fifty percent of the books on this shelf are not published books. That is not true. I'm seeing a whole lot of on sale on X date. I'm seeing a whole lot of advanced reader copy. I'm seeing a whole lot of like fifty you know, percent is an for, exaggeration. For, I have four reader, cubbies, five cubbies. I have five cubbies on this. You shelf. love the galley. You I love, do. Which I, which by contrast is it's the thing I just don't care about at Eric, all. Eric, it's because okay, so it, it, it galley, which is also an advanced reader copy. It's the book that's given out to industry professionals before the book actually comes out. The bound proofs. They're bound yeah. proofs. They're not proofread, but they're typeset. Um, I love a galley Laura because can't get enough. I love reading about just a book, having hearing, having heard nothing about it. <laughs> the reason yeah. I love an arc. Is the same reason you love a first edition before it's got all the stickers yeah, on it. Sure. It's because I can engage with the text with nobody else telling me how good and interesting and nice it is. There was a little while where, and this is definitely, I can only imagine that it's also true in your categories, but in literary publishing, the galley brag mm. is, it's basically like a status symbol at this point. Like, you know you're like there was like one week on here the most enraging week of book internet i've ever had where every single person in my timeline had the new olga tokarczyk galley <laughs> except those are for the me kind of, those are the kind of like, arcs i don't like though everyone had them i don't it, want the the equi- the galley equivalent of the new yorker tote like i don't I was, I was actually about to compare it to that yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want that like what i so all of the ones that you're looking at now are ones that were personally recommended or handed to me by somebody I was having a conversation with. Yes, little known book, The Terranauts by T.C. Boyle. No one ever heard of that one. Not when I first got the galley. (laughs) What else do we have here? Hold on. Um, I just want to see what other big name ones uh, we can do. We've got some some Eric Smith here. That's nice. Oh, well, that's... Shout out to Eric Smith. Uh, We've Um, got... Okay, so some of the big ones. Ooh, I have two copies of John Green's Looking for Alaska. Young up That's and coming author of John or John Green. No one's ever heard of him. Great find there. Um, let's see. <laughs> We've got Okay, we are not dissecting my private bookshelf, okay? <laughs> well, we're going to. I'm going to take a picture of it. Talking, actually, so. No, keep talking. Um, keep going, Laura. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. 
it's worth mentioning that this bookshelf is also two layers deep and all of the galleys are in the front because they were the newest ones and I go by vibe um, and those are those are the newest ones. Um, she really did not like me taking a picture of that bookshelf, by the way, which I did <laughs> in case, which I'm saying now because I think she's going to try to cut this from the episode. And what I'm telling you what just happened is I took a picture of her shelf and hello, Laura over here got super flustered. And I did. I called him times. Alec. You called me the wrong name. You did all these things. And it all just, it's just, you know, it's the behavior of a guilty person, and the world will soon know well, your various I, sins. Well, it's not guilty. It's just, I don't want anybody coming up at me. <laughs> None of these have changed. And saying, oh my goodness, this specific book changed my life. You don't want that. So, okay, actually, that is interesting. Yeah. So, you have this collection here of books that yeah. by now are... They, it's not, you know, I don't want to say they've come and gone because that's not what happens. But like books that were published in like 2016, 2019, mm-hmm. I'm just looking on the shelf here. Like ones that theoretically you've already read, other people have now already read, have sort of had their publicity cycles come it's and go. It's very nice that you think I've read all of these books on this you shelf. Don't want, you don't want to talk about these books with people. I want to talk about them on my terms. Uh-huh. So like I – I – want to talk about like I like to hear about people's like deep takes on this book that they think the ending should have been different or whatever like one okay so one way I really like to talk about books is how publishing people talk about Megan Whalen Turner which is talk to me about that um so if you haven't read her do Uh um but specifically there is like uh, Megan Whalen Turner is like catnip for a lot of publishing people uh-huh. just because of just the way that she writes and like you know a lot of us grew up on her books and like the way that I like talking about those books is oh my god and talking about like the general qualities of the book and your experience reading them and how much you love them like I don't want to like sit down and like talk about like my favorite parts of that book because all of it it matters. You don't like book clubs. I like academic book clubs. Sure. I don't like the like, let's identify the themes. I don't like a casual book club. I want to like <laughs> be in like a college seminar have book you been, club. Have you seen book clubs lately? Like I went to one the other day and the conversation I've noticed, at least in many of the casual ones I've been around, and obviously there are a million different types of book clubs, but like it gets away from the book really fast. Yes. It gets to, like, what would you do in this situation? Or, like, how... Don't becomes, care about that. It becomes a conversation starter, which I am declaring totally valid. It's a great way it to is. read book. It is. I it's just, just don't want to do it. It was surprising to me. It's not what I would do with... But, like... Um, in the in the beginning of summer, my mother sent me a text message and said, hey, do you want to be in this book club with me and your aunt and some <laughs> other people? And I said, that depends. Are you going to read good books? And then and then I said, and also, are we actually going to read them? And there was no book club. Oh, man. <laughs> Friend of the show, Jill Zatz. <laughs> there was no book club. Like, I, you know, and I love lending books to people. Yeah. And I yeah. love, like, I love facilitating that yeah. very, like, private sort of experience. And I love telling people I loved it. But, like, I either want to get into, like, how how we talked about, how we did book club last summer. 
I yeah. like. That was really um, fun. That, we I, should do that again. That was yeah. a good. That was a good activity. Like, as much as I love a cheese board, I don't want to like. I feel like the conversations. This is that the first use, time you've ever said this sentence structure. I don't want a it, cheese board. <laughs> yeah, as much as yeah. I love cheese, and then provide a counterfactual. No way, you've yeah. never done this in your entire as life. As much as I love a yeah. cheese board, yeah. like a social cheese board situation. Uh huh. I want to be like, I, I don't want to have books be like simplified jumping off points into yeah. like us right. inserting it. Like what I right. what I want it to be. Right. So I want to talk about the craft and I want to yeah. talk about the beauty of it and I want to like I want to talk about how it gets into like the deep dark places of our hearts and like we'll live there. You know what I mean? Um which like in some ways makes me a little goblin and in other ways just puts me in the completely wrong business. Would you like to hear the painfully earnest and naive reason I wanted to be in publishing in the first place. Because you love books. No, not because I love books. It's going to be a more specific story than that. About how you love books. Because I love books. No. No. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what, but, tell me what it is. No, I was so I was a um, I was an English major like many people are and I got out of college and was trying to decide you know what to do next you know when I was planning to go get a job I decided I didn't want to do grad school or anything so I was like all right what am I going to go do and I remember the thing that made me want to like work in publishing because at the time I feel like in college it feels very easy to say that you're above all the commercial mechanisms of the world right it's Mm -hmm. like oh I love books I would never work in the mass commercial production of books I would never want to turn them into an object like that, that diminishes the power of literature and, you know, all the stupid things that college kids say and think. Um, if you're a college kid listening to this, you are not stupid, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's how I was, at least. You know what I mean? It's like you have these ideals, you know, that are kind of half-formed and misplaced and whatever. But the thing that made me like, oh, man, no, I could get into making these or having a hand in making these physical objects and selling them and trying to make them into something people want to connect with was it was that first summer so I was 22 which meant it had to have been 2012 20 somewhere somewhere like that mm-hmm. somewhere in that range that is the correct and <laughs> thank you because <laughs> well we're not going to get into that um but I remember I picked up a copy of the paperback edition the brand new paperback edition of Jonathan Franzen's freedom and I was planning to read that book, and I did read it, and I did very much get a lot out of it. But the the thing that I just found so strangely like moving at the time in a way that I still think about to this moment is that on the cover, you it's a famous cover, I'm sure people know it, but like there's a very there's a bright blue bird, right? Mm-hmm. Side profile. And they embossed the eye a mm-hmm. little bit so that there was like texture. It felt very like glassy and like you could feel it. And there was, I was even thinking it was like a little bit raised up, mm-hmm. you know, even on this paperback. And I remember thinking, like, what a meaningless detail that doesn't affect anything that I absolutely love and now could not possibly read this book without, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it just felt, and it just got me thinking. I was like, I bet publishing is just a countless series of small little decisions like that. You know, and 
it is. It's obviously a million other things too, and that are good and bad. But it is that where it's like picking the little details like that. Oh, I bet someone will connect with this. And you do that in editorial work with the words themselves. You do that with the production choices. You do. And I, I just like that kind of thing really gets me going, and I find it really like someone going to that expense or making like taking a little bit of extra care like that. That matters to me, and I, I I have this joke right now with some friends that this year has been, this year 2022 now, not that year we were just talking about, but, like, it's the year of meaningless objects, which we've sort of taken to mean finding interesting and aesthetically pleasing things that just have no earthly use. Sure. And enjoying them. Like, for instance, I have this book... Um, that I've posted pictures of before. It's famous. I'm not the only one who does this, but um, it's this like giant atlas of a fake world written in a fake language, and it's this beautiful giant book like like walks and talks like an encyclopedia, but inside it is just nonsense. And it's like this is a complete like there's no function to this. It's mm. just it's just beautiful. You can't even read it. The language in it isn't. It's not like a it's like a made up. It's symbols. literally just to yes, look at you can't all you can do is look at you can't interpret it. And that's what's like maddening about it, and that's what's interesting about it. And that you know, it's like that and like I don't know, just stuff that has design and craft elements involved that don't that aren't totally on their face utilitarian, right? Mm. And obviously we there's it turns out in the end that these things are incredibly meaningful because aesthetics can mean a lot you know these things do end up mattering they change the way you experience things all that but like i don't know i just i think that carries over a lot into my relationship with like physical books and it like reminds you i don't know i i can remember being in house the first time because you, you know we all know by now that a book takes forever to make right yeah. and so when you start as an editorial assistant the first book that you really did a ton of work on, it's going to take a little bit to show up, right? Like you're going to, it's going to be a while before you get to actually see those copies. And I still remember getting that in the first time, the first one that I felt I had worked on enough to have a connection to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like holding this copy, like having this whole moment in this like giant row, like farm of cubicles right on <laughs> at oxford university press and like i'm wandering around like showing it to colleagues and stuff and they're they're like you know refusing to take their headphones out and stuff because <laughs> like i'm being this like like completely annoying naive you know whatever and but i don't know i just i get a lot out of like having the thing and i love you know apart from that it's just fun to go to the extent that I believe in, like, retail therapy in my life, like, mm. buying books is, like, the thing where it's, like, oh, this is the this is the thing that makes me feel good when I, like, buy something, you know? Like, have – I don't know. It's and that is that a good hobby? Is that a good, healthy activity? Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. But, like – Oh, I was going to say <laughs> – Oh, yeah, our, it is. That's our whole personality split, right, in a, in a line. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I just think, like – those choices do matter to me, and I do love them. And I think, and I think I love them all the more now, knowing, like, trying to interpret the thinking behind every little choice. Oh, why did they go with this kind of cover? What were they thinking? Mm. With who were they trying to court with this blurb? You know, mm. like that kind of stuff. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's very fascinating that you and I come at these from totally different angles. Um, Because I I don't know, maybe it's just because like I come from a family of publishers, not book publishers, but like magazine publishers. Um, The aesthetics to me have always been like have been very clearly been a sales tool. Right. And like the format to me has always been a price point measure. And instead, so like I've never had a moment like that. Like, and I understand and I talk with my So you my don't authors. think the book is the book? You think the book exists before the book is a book? Um, yes. But I will say that I simultaneously think the book is the book when it can be, like, privately explored from an artistic standpoint rather than like a work standpoint so like it is both that's a really good i was about to like, ask you when does the book become a book and that's actually an extremely good definition yeah I think. like yeah. i think i think it is both not requiring of the finished copy yeah. but also needs to be in a spot where it can exist outside of like work and the production process yeah um and, like, that probably explains, like, my absolute feral attitude towards, like, the library. Yeah. Um, and I think it is worth mentioning and examining. And, like, there's not really a conclusion to this entire conversation. I just think that it's, like, a deeply fascinating and human and interesting thing to keep talking about and thinking about. But I, you know, I've sort of made it through this conversation, like, convincing everybody, including myself, that I'm just, like, this big book hipster. Um, when there's also a very like strong separate side to that like I love reading the book that everybody's talking about Yeah, like I love the opportunity for that but it's one of those things where it's I still want to reserve a space whether it's mental or physical or whatever where it is my brain in relation to that book um, my hands in relation to this physical copy that are like that I am that I'm having. And it's like when I even if I'm reading the real big book, yeah. I don't talk about it while I'm reading it. I'll either like say like, hey, I bought this real big book. Like, I'm so excited to read it. And that's true. See, that's or I'll post it later when it's like, I really loved this Once book. You should read cleared, it. Yeah. But like I need to carve yeah. a space just for that because then I then I don't go into work mode. You know what's interesting about that is I think that is such a good that's a mental discipline that I'm actually a little bit envious of because (laughs) and I think a lot of people myself included would really benefit from because one when people talk about books now they're never talking about the actual book they're talking about their associations with it they're talking about what they think of the author they talk about what they're talking about what they think of the various different political things like they're never doing what you just described very forcefully Mm. curating a space to do which actually just engaging with the text which I think way more people need to be doing I mean as an illustration just go on the internet and type Sally Rooney and just (laughs) no and just see what comes up none of it will be about any of the books Um, but like it's like and I can think you know a few years ago I was like all right as a way of really like making sure I'm up on my category and also, you know, as a fun Twitter thing and as a means of personal accountability, I'm going to read every, like, I'm going to try to read as many like new releases for the year as I possibly can. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? I was doing that. Yeah. Like, you hated it. 
<laughs> I hated it. And the reason I hated it, even though many of the books I enjoyed, I mean, I would there were very few, I will say, that I think about now. Like it was kind of it kind of illustrated something to me, I think, about the contemporary scene a little bit. But um like I really didn't like it because I was in that mode where every single book I was reading was in the center of a storm of discourse. You know what I mean? And I wasn't doing what you're describing where I pulled myself out of it and did these things. And specifically and, discourse you felt like you had to pay attention to as yeah, a business person. Yeah, it's like, you know, and suddenly you're reading this thing and you're like formulating your take and then all of a sudden you're turning the page and it's like, did I actually read any of that last page or am I just <laughs> sitting here thinking of tweets? <laughs> like, it's horrible. It's horrible. And so like, and I will say like my reading of contemporary fiction has not been the same yeah. since. I have moved away from it. Like, I am... It's not because there's not plenty to love and stuff, but like this is I actually what's the one space where it feels like this is still possible to me is when I am reading books that literally I'm the only person who even has access to, which is to say work manuscripts, mm-hmm. right? Like I can think of the moment, you know, I had a moment earlier this year, um, a couple moments, I guess, you know, because I sat with it a few different times, but where I was the only person reading the latest draft of Patrick Nathan's new novel, which has sold this year, so it's not a secret that it's coming out or anything, but, like, my God, what a thrill, right? Like, I'm sitting there reading this book that within 10 minutes I can tell is going to be, like, I'm not going to have a problem selling this book. I'm not going to have, like, people are, you know, and I, but it's just, like, what an amazing thing to just be sitting there with my little iPad reading this manuscript mm-hmm. and like I there's not a single person on earth besides, you know, the author and me who has a single thought about this. And it's it's just like being in uncharted territory, you know? Yeah. And it's like, is it so the question to loop it back to like what we're doing, like, am I reading the book then? Or am I reading the manuscript that has yet to become a book? You know, especially if I'm someone who defines the book in object terms yeah. a lot of the time like i don't know this those, stuff is those just initial, fascinating to me it's like those initial client reads i always try to as much as i can manufacture a sort of false yeah. no, reader yeah. kind of position we did and, a patreon thing on that and a, and a yep. lot of that is you know and and i think that like discipline that you call it and i kind of call it like my weird gremlin mode yeah. um is very based in like how influenced I often am because I love writers so much. Like I don't love writers for what they write. I love writers for like their personalities and their brains and like, you know, all of that. And so I love surrounding myself with artists, in fact, in all forms. And there it's very easy for me to to suddenly not be able to blur the line between the writer and their work and then yeah. sometimes that's yeah. really fine because i it can like tell like if somebody's like terminally online it helps Don't know provide anybody like that. no yeah. it helps provide like or i know somebody in person it helps provide me like a different shade of appreciation for that work. Mm-hmm. But then I also lose that ability to just have a relationship with the work itself. And in some reasons, like that kind of alighting of like the author and the work, you know, the sort mm. of like 
rejection of the death of the author, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, in some ways, that's very good. Like, I, you know, I got rid of all of my Harry Potter books, even though, like, from an emotional sort of, like, growing up, like, life stage standpoint should absolutely be on my special you get shelf. Rid of them? Like, this is actually a whole topic. I threw them too. in the trash. You got rid of them because of... I threw them in the trash because I couldn't look at them and feel anything other than disgust. Yeah. And so, like, that... It it overwrote all of the experiences and the, you know, the the reading moments myself, but also the moments that I had later and before with friends and with family and, like, all... Like, it just rewrote over everything. Isn't it... So... That's like an interesting, and we're going long now, but I'm like having a great time, so we're just going to keep talking. Great. Um, <laughs> Harry Potter is such an interesting, and in, like case study in that in that object like association sense you're describing, because like I don't have, like I read Harry Potter growing up, I loved them. Mm-hmm. There's no like, there's none of this. Some people I think online are doing this thing where they pretend like retroactively like they never enjoyed the books and I think that you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, as a kid I loved Harry Potter and I had all the hard co- they're not in my current house now. I think they're probably still with my parents, but like I don't know if I would want like if I had them would I do what you did? I don't I don't know. Like because Well, I I sat on it for quite a while. I No, I know I, and it's it's yeah, complex. It took obvi- me a while. And it obviously like your reason for doing it in case anyone has been living under a rock is Rowling has horribly transphobic she's revealed herself to be a little bit of an onerous person you know <laughs> not someone i'm you know sort of a I, don't, I mean we don't have to get into it she's a horrible transphobe and it's very sad to watch but um and no i don't really i'm not really interested in like having that person's work around yeah. but did i like those books when they happening when i think yeah. about harry potter and the goblet of fire do i think about reading that big book like under a lamp yeah i do you know, like, but is that, I don't know. It's just, it's, that's what's, but yeah. whether, whatever the outcome is, that's what's fascinating to me about having the physical object, right? Yeah. It's because it becomes this thing that it's develops an attachment, you know what I mean? And then there's some sort of tragedy yeah, in having tragic. that, in having that memory yeah. be sullied. Yes. And then there's also sort of a tragedy in having sort of, like you're reading and and of books that you would normally probably really enjoy mm-hmm. curtailed by a bunch of nonsense. Like I know that I will never read a book by Joyce Carol Oates yeah. because of the ridiculous shit she says on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And like I know that I would probably get a lot out of a couple of her books. She's got some bangers. I know. I'm sorry to tell you, people. I, like I know, but <laughs> but I'm. It's never gonna no, happen. No, and that's fair. And like I know that there are. Like I can tell you, even like in a more contemporary sense, there are writers, kind of younger, hipper writers who are kind of at the center of like literary Twitter, who I'm sure are decent writers. And I can tell you right now, I'm just not gonna do it yeah. because I just find your internet presence too grating, and I and that's not and that's not to say. <laughs> That, like, how anybody is performing authorship is incorrect. No, it's just a personal preference thing. It's, it's a personal it's... preference, and I I am just very careful about, like, guarding those deep and specific and personal moments, which is one of those right. reasons why I think to just, like, circle it back to what I value about a physical object yeah. is, like, why I 
care about having an arc, not because it's exclusive and like, ooh, I got the arc, but because it represents the opportunity of that moment. And I care less. Yes. Like, I don't care about first editions yeah. because, like, what if the first print run was 100,000? Sure. You know, I had this moment sure. where, you know, and I was on a lot of cough medicine, but like I had a really I had a really hard time figuring uh-huh. out which copy of Babel I wanted, which is the uh-huh. new book by R.F. Quang. And um like I knew I wanted to read it because like her writing is gorgeous and it, you know, was about a topic that I was very interested in. But this book was like the big book across mm-hmm. the English speaking world. Mm-hmm. Like there was a Waterston's version and there was a book box version. And then there was a Barnes and Noble version. And then there was the regular version. And like all of these had different back matter that was like developed like by the writer. And it was just like this whole thing where I had to like, first I was like, Oh, well this one has a, a reading list. And then this one has like this extra stuff. Yeah. And then, and at the end of the day, I, I had to stop and go, wait a minute. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like I am being sold the extra stuff. What I want is I want to like sit down with the I'm taking this book to the middle of the woods in December. Like I'm not reading it until December. Don't tell me what you think about it. Um, I'm going away away from cell service and mm. internet for four days and I'm taking this book with me. And, like, that's how I wanted to do it. And I was like, I don't want special editions. I don't want book box bullshit. I don't even, I don't need it signed. I don't want, like, there's 6,000 of this thing available. Like, I don't want it. What I want is I just want to, like, be alone with the book, even though it's the book Mm -hmm. right now. A lot of this makes me want to get a a book box. Yeah? Like, this has sort of sold me on the idea of, like, trying to cultivate some of these attachments with other objects that have been curated. Like... I'm into that idea. It's interesting. Um, I've never tried anything like that before, but it does sound kind of fun. If you have a favorite book box, suggest yeah. it. No, actually, I would love if there are projects that you feel are kind of designed around these sorts of ideas. We'd love to. I'd love to hear about them if there's one you're liking or whatever. Um, if anybody has any extra dick soap laying around. <laughs> um. Um, this. So one other idea this is making me think about is like, this is why. This is why I very rarely reread books. You don't reread books? Haven't we talked about this? We never done this. Probably. One? I'm just going to be horrified every time. It's not. It's not that I don't. I mean, I sometimes do. You know, in, on rare occasions, but like mostly no. And it's because I, the idea of reengaging with an old impression and like forming a new one at the same time—it is a risk. It sounds emotionally overwhelming. Yeah. Like it sounds very like. This is like the same reason I will. You will have to like drag me kicking and screaming to any sort of class reunion of any kind. <laughs> I have no interest in knowing anyone from a past life. I do not want to see you. I do not want to run into you. It's not. I don't even. It's not even personal. It's not that I even disliked. I had great. I had a great high school experience. Great college. All these things. I'm not interested in revisiting that terrain, those territories. Like in the same way that like, I, I guess it's hard to explain, but I just do not want to retread that space. And I find that that's true reading-wise, too, with all but a very narrow subsection of books um, that kind of fall under certain categories. But, like, man, I just – like, you, we do develop these – in like, is that the intellectually best approach? No, because it's often – that emotional overwhelm is often where a whole lot of – Value like, happens. A whole lot of value happens yeah. because you can – 
you know, understand yourself better. You can understand how you've changed better. You can understand it more importantly than understanding yourself because, again, I don't care about the reader even when the reader is me. Um, you can understand a work better. You know, like seeing something again in that way, you know, can – I don't know. There's a million reasons why it's good to reread books. But, like, I'm never – it's not that I don't do it. It's that I'm never inclined to do it and I have to make myself do it because mm. I don't want to overwrite what's there. I don't want to erase things, you know. It's – I think it's not okay. So I think it's not possible or enjoyable for me to like revisit a book that I've only read or enjoyed once many, many, many years ago. I think what works best for me are things that I'm either in like roughly the same place. Yeah. Roughly, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I uh, reread um, Sabriel by Garth Nix uh, not yeah. too long ago, and I hadn't read that since I was a kid. And I kind of regret it. Sure. <laughs> like, it's, it, it was a totally different, like, I, I mean, it was like the audiobook was by Tim Curry. It was very, 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 very good. Um, but I sort of regret it because it totally overwrote, because there was just so much space in between when I wrote it, read it as a kid to when I read it now. Whereas, like, I revisit talking about Megan Wayne and the Turner again. Like I revisit her works every few years and that I get so much out of and so deeply appreciate or a book that I reread a ton when I was a kid, I'm able to go back just because I know it so well and haven't like forgotten any of it. So like I can, you know, like I haven't done this because I haven't really felt the need to because I still like memorized the whole flipping book. But like, I feel like I could go back to, Tamara Pierce's Alana books at mm-hmm. any time mm-hmm. and have a hell of a good time. Um, That's what it is right there. It's, did you have a, it's, are you riding a roller coaster or like opening a scab? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes you don't know yeah, what it is. Like, because if you have a book that you read and it was just like funny, you had a great time with it, even if it was like super meaningful and intellectual or whatever, but it was like, man, I love doing that. Like I could see rereading that. But the, the thing is like, I don't, I can't think of that many, like for me a lot of time reading is like a more somber thing. It's like, I don't know, it's just any act of reflection, right? Like you end up in places and like, man, that sounds hard to do again. Like I don't have that many roller coaster books, you know? I have some and I've reread them. But like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. And it all, yeah, it's all like. When does meaning get imbued, you know? And that's what I think gets unopened like that arc in the Indiana Jones movie when we start talking about, oh, did the author actually write their signature or was it a (laughs) uh, or was it a stamp, you know? Well, it brings up like an entirely separate thing then where it's like if you read books from the library or you are not a rereader or something, then what? books are justified as being books that you own and keep even if you never revisit them yeah like is it like i i it's a lot of silliness sometimes can just like look know? at the spine and and like have that memory yeah. again and that's worthwhile yeah but that can be totally separate from people who and i have one of these it's totally valid who have the bookshelf where it's just like i want people to know that i've read and i own these books so this was going to get to my next one of my one question I had written down for aesthetic. We are so over, but yeah, I don't care. Um, one other 
maybe this can be the last thing or something, but like, remember that story where, well, there, there actually, you no, know, two things now that I'm thinking about. The first one was when rich people were hiring like a person whose job it was, they would give, give them some enormous budget and they would point to their bookshelf Buy and they would books. say, go fill this bookshelf with whatever. And they obviously they hadn't read those books. You know, they were, they were just having someone to go do get what you just important books. get the books that need to go on the shelf. And people were up in arms about it. Right. They were like, oh, this is so silly. Rich people don't read this. is It's all just like wait until they know that you can buy wealth. books by the yard <laughs> for set dressing. Like and it is silly. That was like I did laugh at the idea of someone doing that, but at the same time, it's like it's also perfectly valid to buy books you don't read. Valid. It's and what what a wonderful testament to the designers of these books. If you're buying, I don't know. Like I I came down on the spot of like, no, no, no. It's actually really good. One that people are buying books at all, but two that people are buying books based on the many design choices that are people like i don't know Well, why is that okay but then like the memes about how the like book reading and book buying are two different hobbies like why is that okay it's yeah it's fine it's all fine like and then there's you know there are people who i feel like it comes up every you know six months as like a thing because twitter is so cyclical like people forget about something long enough then someone like brings it back and gets a million retweets on it because people forgot that we've already done this. But like one of those things is people buying books and organizing them by like color. Sure. You know, like and people that sounds people just as reasonable so, to me as doing it alphabetically. People get so upset about it. They're like, oh, but this has nothing to do with like actual engagement with the text or author in any way. They're just literally like finding treating the book as like an ornament. And I'm just sitting here thinking, wonderful. Like, good thing that we're making cool ornaments. You know what I mean? Like, and is that all there is to a book? And is that, no, of course not. And are there better things to do with it? Probably, but like. But what I think this conversation has revealed is that even amongst people who value books, like, I think on a base, you and I value books. Like, we understand that a book is an art object, and we understand that what's in between the covers is deeply important. But Mm -hmm. even, even, Though we hold that same belief, the value you have in a text in an and a physical object, both is the same thing and it's not the same thing, is deeply, deeply different than where I find value in it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, but man, we are so lucky to have books. Like, let's hear it for books. <laughs> and I'm the- <laughs> God. I was trying to be all like nice and like look at how like we're just so lucky. We're just so lucky. <laughs> Folks, have you heard about this? The new thing in town, the book. The book. Um, no, we should probably We're just so lucky. People. Yeah. Uh anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I would be very interested to hear from any of you about what your like number one value yeah. of of a book is. Yeah. Um like how I want I want to know if somebody is like deeply feral about like the breadth and depth of their Kindle library. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's a whole like there's a whole episode there too. I know. I mean, with I, regard to how a different format, like we almost went there today, yeah. but I, there's like different formats and stuff. Yeah. Like I think there's like, a million things. What a fun and complicated yeah, totally. and like human thing this is. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, and if anybody wants to send Eric uh, some J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> the book box is just, here, lead, read the box set of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> God. I'm going to get a bunch of like burner account emails from you that are like, here's one, and it's just like an the Amazon link to The Hobbit. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, thank you all so much for joining it, us. It is so good to be back. I miss the hell out of all of yes. you. Um, if you are on Patreon, don't worry. I'm going to be doing some like catch up for me being ill this month. So mm-hmm. that should be pretty fun. Um, if you have anything, send it to us. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you back here next time for a regular episode. Bye.